It's time for the business buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I've been uh, Chico CPA, uh, same location for 27 years. Anything you need tax or financial wise, uh, feel free to give me a call, uh, 895-3353. Well, I have a really interesting guest today, so we're going to have a great show. I wanted to start out talking about the national economy and a little bit of an issue with there's a thing called the yield curve and what's been happening is when you hear on the news that the Federal Reserve has raised the short-term interest rate what it is is that the short-term rate is normally a lot less than the long-term rate and that would be in a normal healthy economy uh, long-term borrowing would be a higher rate than short-term and uh, if you look at historical charts the normal situation when people are optimistic is the the yield curve uh, has a lower short-term rate and a higher long-term rate and they can compare those to like uh, one of the big comparisons is two-year bonds versus 10-year uh, or two-year versus 30. so here's the interesting thing lately with the federal reserve since 20 the december of 2015 they did their first interest rate increase for their short-term rate and it was the first time they'd increased for something like eight or nine years since the they call it the financial meltdown of 08 and that short-term rate therefore has gone up the problem is is that the 10-year treasury rate in December before the December 2015 short-term raise that they did was about 2.1 percent right now the 10-year rate is still at around 2.1 percent so what's happening is this yield curve has gone to where they call it flattening where the short-term rate is approaching the long-term rate now the reason I even mention this is because this is one of if you do a little research on this this is one of the most uh, solid indicators of a coming recession that they have of any of these charts that these guys watch the last seven times that this yield curve has what they call inverted where the short-term rate goes above the long-term rate and that hasn't happened yet lately but it appears to be approaching every time that has signaled a recession uh, shortly afterwards anyone who is a saver if you're a retired person and you work to save as much money as you could before you retired what's interesting that you must have noticed is that you are not able really to earn anything on your savings these days and your savings basically it's forcing you to put your money somewhere else to try to make a good return when people say there isn't much inflation what I like to point out is that in the good old days when there was seven or eight percent interest being paid on savings accounts a retired person could supplement their income if they have a pension or Social Security income they would be able to supplement it with the interest being earned in the bank so if you're earning 8% interest and you have $100,000 saved, you have $8,000 a year in which to maybe buy groceries or buy a new car or um, you know make that take that vacation uh, to see the grandkids or whatever it is that you need to spend. Well, what's happening now is that any retired person who needed that extra income from savings is basically having to dip into their savings uh, the actual money to cover that money that used to be income so what I'm sort of saying is that if you don't think there's inflation even if prices aren't going up which I I think they kind of are the government always keeps that to a low amount the main thing about it is that there is inflation because this is draining people's savings accounts and uh, it's it's really a major problem when this is an unprecedented thing where these interest rates have been this low for this long it's never happened before so I just wanted to keep you guys abreast of the fact that things are kind of strange and when they do when you hear that they're raising rates they're raising rates on the short end 
but the uh, market itself for the long end should be raising also, but it's not. So just keep in mind, and I'll keep you posted as we go on this show, that uh, if this yield curve inverts, it's pretty likely that's going to lead to some sort of recessionary activity in the economy. So I wanted to mention that. Now, as far as my guest today, I have a guest today who's got a lot of experience. Her current main focus is uh, she's a loan broker, and she's been doing this for years and years. She's done a lot of businesses, and she's a a real smart businesswoman. I wanted to bring her on so we can talk about uh, local local lending. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of different subjects. Uh, I'm going to here to introduce uh, Judy Simmons, and I'm going to have her say hello. Hello. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, Harold. All right. So uh, tell uh, tell the audience a little bit about wh- what it's like uh, what it's like as a loan broker, and do you do mainly home mortgages, or do you do all different types of loans? Well, currently we have a variety of programs. We can offer residential, commercial. Uh, private money, um, SBA, you know, we can pretty much do any type of loan that's necessary as long as it's secured by real estate. Okay. We don't do any unsecured type lending, but we do have private money for people that, you know, might be flipping homes or just need it for short term. Oh, so you can also help people that wouldn't use a conventional bank type situation. Oh, correct. Oh. Correct. The difference between us and a bank is that if you go to a bank, for instance, they just have one back room. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that they can only do whatever their their program allows. With coming to a, a mortgage broker, we're probably brokered with 50 different lenders. And we try to match the loan with the client's needs. So when you say we, you actually work with a group of, yes. of licensed brokers. Yes, I do, yes. And what's our, the name of that company? Our, our office is in Sacramento, and it's called Money One Inc. Um, we handle most all of the North State currently. We have people that you know are located in Sacramento, do a lot of business in the Bay Area. I handle a lot of Redding and Chico and Paradise, Megalia, all those areas. But I do work in Sacramento as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, since uh, I know uh, when the housing crisis hit, you were doing loan broker work back then. Is that true? Actually, to be honest with you, I just got my real estate license back in 2007. Okay. So I literally broke into the market when it was bad. Oh. So therefore, I've, <laughs> I uh, never really got the uh, um, ability to know what it was like for all these people to do a lot of loans and make a lot of money. Like the 05 where everybody mm-hmm. was taking giant amounts. Yes. And, right. And according, you know, that, of course, wasn't a good thing that right. happened but I'm just saying so I've had to work my way up and learn all the uh, you know the ropes as far as you know all the new things the safe act was passed and you know we have a lot of loan regulations that were never in place right now you also you then you've probably also helped a lot of people who got into a mess during the 0506 crazy run-up of weird loans yeah, we try not to have people walk from their homes if they're upside down. There was some programs that came about where we could loan 125% of loan-to-value, and we were able to create some different you know, scenarios for them to save their homes. And, yeah, we, we've done a lot of – I've actually personally worked on a lot of loan modifications. Oh, okay, so that's another that service. Also. Well, Lately, I haven't really been doing that so much because I think that the, that crisis is kind of over the hurdle right now. Right. Most of those have been dealt with right. or walked away or short sale or something. Away probably because it's been too many years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Now, before you got into the, the whole loan business, uh, you've done other things where you had your own business and you were, you're, you're even a licensed contractor. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you still in, dabble in those kind of jobs? or I keep my license active um, or non-active, but I didn't give it up. But, yeah, I would consider it maybe down the road. But, yeah, I was I literally worked in public works in the state of California. Oh, as, for the state? For the state only. I did not do any private jobs at all. I did all state jobs, mostly schools. Oh, yeah. like re- earthquake retrofits or something? No, actually we did a lot of remodels like – 
um, you know, Chico High School was one that I worked on for three years. Oh. And Enterprise High School, lots of big jobs like that. Wow. Now, I also know that you were a, you got your degree at a fairly young age. What was your first degree that you got? I literally, back when I went to high school, we were allowed to attend a university as a junior, as long as our grades were adequate. So I started at a university as a junior in high school. So I ended up with a double major and a minor um, at the age of, I was almost 21. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what, what university was that? That University of Northern Colorado. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And now your husband's a, he's a licensed uh, pest control professional. And termite. Uh-huh, Why don't correct. we promote his business a little bit? What's the name of his business? His name, the name of his business is Bug Smart Termite and Pest Control. And that's sort of based in Paradise. Um, actually, no. He does a lot of Northern California. He does five counties. Oh, okay. Glen, Tehama, Butte, you know, Shasta. Wow. Yeah. And he's been doing that for quite a while. About thirty-five years. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Does he see anything new these days? Is there like weird new bugs coming well, the, over? Or the something? one thing I'd like to tell people is is that th- I think a lot of people don't realize that you can't just continue to use a chemical over a period of time because the active ingredient in that chemical, literally the insect that it's treating or targeting, builds an immunity to it. And they they live such a short life. They have tons of generations real quick, right? Yeah, but the, the problem is, is that after they build an immunity to a certain active ingredient in a certain chemical, then they become actually an infestation if you aren't smart enough to change the chemical. Hence with the word the bug smart. Ingredient. Correct. <laughs> That's correct. And so now, in the last, since the drought in the last couple of years, we've had a huge outbreak of bed bugs. Whoa. And we've had a lot of bed bugs, a lot of bed bug jobs, and they're very hard to get under control. They do take time. They do multiply rapidly. And uh, so that's an interesting one, but I think my husband has become an expert on bed bugs. Wow. Does he ever help, uh, I hate to mention it for any local businesses, uh, hotels and motels? Yes. Yes. Yes, he has. Because they're really transported on people, you know, even patients bring them into hospitals. I mean, you can transport them into anywhere you go. Right. So well, if, a place where a lot of people are coming and going, yeah, they're going to leave them behind. Unless you travel a lot and bring them back, you know, with you wherever you were going. You know, if you right. picked them up in a hotel and brought them back on your luggage. Right. But they do require a blood meal. So they do not survive that long, but they multiply rapidly. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what is the treatment? Is it a chemical treatment mm-hmm. or is it? Mm-hmm. It's wow. a chemical treatment, but it has to target... Um, the actual bed bug itself, which has to leave a residual to treat it because they get in mattresses, they get in bedding. There's a lot of things that they can get into that you're really not aware of because they're pretty hard to see. Wow. But they do, we do have clients with a lot of bites that prove that they are there. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because even if you go back to a a good old-fashioned cockroach, I mean, the roach lays one capsule every 10 days, and out of that one capsule, 50 live roaches hatch. Whoa. So you can see the, you know, the multiplying of right. insects. It's, right, it gets out of control. Correct. Correct. My brother used to have an apartment down in Southern California, and we'd go in and turn the light on, and 100 roaches mm-hmm. would be scurrying. And it wasn't even mm-hmm. an old building. Mm-hmm. It was just a place they hadn't gotten it under control. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things to do with pest control and termites. But um, one thing that's interesting is is that bats are protected by the state of California because we use their sputum to make rabies vaccinations. Hmm. So a pest control operator cannot harm a bat, which means they have to capture it alive and let it release it at some point in time. Wow. And those can get tricky. I did have a, I had a client who was actually up in the Lake Almanor area, and his business was bat removal. Mm-hmm. And he made he had a lot of business getting rid of the bats because, like you say, mm-hmm. you can't exterminate them. Mm-mm. You have to save them, but yeah. you have to make sure they don't come back. Well, you, I don't think you can make sure that anything doesn't come back. You know, you, Right, you know, you, but you try to seal everything correct, off. Yeah. Correct, and there is, we do work with an interesting person out of Red Bluff that does remove skunks from underneath homes because that's very um, normal for that to happen. The, the residual effect of having a bunch of skunks underneath your, underneath your property is that 
once those are removed, usually never wow. Yikes. We'll be right back. we got more great topics coming up, so don't go away. Be right back. David Gressley Carpet Service would like to remind us as we get together with family and friends to celebrate the summer holidays, let's remember to celebrate safely, sanely, and soberly. Remember, alcohol and gasoline do not mix. Practice moderation and common sense. The life you save may just be your own. This reminder is sponsored by David Gressley Carpet Service, where they are proud to be a member of our business community and happy to be involved in this community awareness effort. That's David Gressley Carpet Service at 402 Weymouth Way. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. You're about to ride through the good life here with Mike the Wine Guy Rayford. Hi, this is Mike Rayford inviting you to join me every Saturday from 2 to 4 right here on KKXX Chico for The Good Life Show where we talk about food, wine, travel, and lifestyle. Tune in on KKXX Chico to get all your good life needs. Warning, the following may include happiness, smiling, laughter, bundles of joy, spontaneous hugging, and overall, a good time. Two to four, right here on KKXX Chico. back and glad glad to see that you're here with us so judy we're talking to judy simmons now how would she uh how would uh listeners get a hold of you if they were interested in talking about uh getting a new loan talking to a broker um is there a good little website they could just write an email to we do have a website moneyoneinc.com or you can contact me on my phone which is 530-521-8511 and I have a partner, Jeanette, and you can call her. She's a Sacramento person. Her number is 916-300-8097. Great. And uh, we'll come back to that a little later. So Judy's been doing this for a long time, and she runs into a lot of interesting situations. She's a lone person, but she really does help people beginning, ending, in between, after. Uh, I've personally referred clients to her. Um Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's not so good, but she usually helps everyone. But uh, uh, Judy, what's gone on? Have you had any interesting cases lately where something weird goes on during a home sale that, that you've helped people with? Yeah, I've always got weird things going on. First of all, we do not ever entertain many loans that are in the box. Most of our transactions are out of the box. Which they're, means they're not normal, straightforward mm -mm. home loans. No. We right. usually have to spend time. Sometimes we have to build credit scores for people. Sometimes we have to help them with credit card debt. It just depends on how to get them approved for a loan. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think the guy with the perfect credit score and all the money in the bank already, he can just walk in anywhere and get a quick home loan? Is that And so you guys might see more of the people who need more individualized service kind of thing? Well, we actually entertain both types of people, but I right. would say that we do entertain a lot of people because we have loans that go down to a 550 FICO score which is very low, which a bank could never do. So we can do a lot of things that a bank could not do, but when you see somebody with an, you know, a perfect credit score. You can they, help them also. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Wow. That's easier. <laughs> so tell us something about a, a recent thing that's been interesting in your world. Well, recently we did a purchase on a home in Redding, actually Chasta County, and, um, it was one of those transactions that required a lot of patience. 
And uh, because of both sides being weird or just one or the buyer and I guess the seller too, you would say. So the seller prior to putting the house on the market painted the inside of the home to make it more presentable. And once this transaction was completed and the buyer went to move into the property and the seller's furniture had literally been moved out, it was uh, duly noted that the seller had painted around every piece of furniture within this house. Oh, no. So you were able to look at where the couch was, where the chairs <laughs> were, where the beds were. I mean, the whole house. So the buyer actually closed the deal before he saw the house without the furniture? He did because he, he the, the seller did not move out until the transaction was completely done. And then when the buyer took occupancy... That's what he found. Wow! And so by then, the so le- legally, was that done. was the transaction was set up that way. Well, yeah. well nobody asked anyone to move the couch, so I right. guess so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing, that's an amazing situation. But you know, I know there's times where you probably have a buyer and a seller, and they really don't like each other. Absolutely. And the buyer's mad that he didn't get more money. The seller's mad because you didn't. You know, in, he didn't include something or other. Or, I mean, I'm sure that happens. Yeah, we try to be very careful with our purchase agreement, our purchase contracts these days. You know, if we have to write an addendum, we can write an addendum. And then with a loan, you know, a lot of times things can change because an, a loan approval is conditional, which means that they're going to have to meet conditions in order to get it completely approved, even though we can get an approval, a conditional approval. So, you know, there are a lot of variables, and we are always willing to work with people as much as we can to make these things happen. And we have made a lot of difficult things happen. And I do, we do pride ourselves on being, you know, that type of lender. Right. Now, in a case like that where the, where the buyer and the seller aren't quite getting along, aren't there normally realtors involved in this that are supposed to allow for everything to be worked out in advance? That's true. However, nothing's ever worked out in advance because as you go through the transaction, certain things pop up because there's inspections that are required, roof inspections, home inspections, termite inspections. Right. So there's always a lot of things that can pop up during the transaction with the property itself. And then, of course, you have to deal with an appraiser. So the appraised value may not come in as high as the seller is asking for the property which lends itself to a whole nother set of negotiations. Right. I did have a, a former client. There was a, a man that I was helping who was a loan broker back in the heyday, back in 02, 03. And I remember he told me, he said, I'm selling my triplex. He had bought a triplex and it had really gone way up in value. And at the time, it was probably like 05. And I was thinking, why would you be doing that? And anyway, he did it. And later when we talked about it, I said, man, you kind of sold at the top of the market. And he said, you know what, Harold? I saw that the appraisals were starting to not match the purchase price agreements in the contracts. And so he sort of knew that a top was coming or close or something. Do you see anything like that these days? I mean, are you noticing that more or is it about... Is it been steady lately? I seriously think that at this point in time in the loan world that you better be able to know the value of the property you're lending on prior to, you know, even ordering an appraisal based on the fact that we don't like to charge a client a $700 appraisal or a $400 appraisal unless we know that that property will appraise for what they actually need to do with it, to right. get, whether refinance it or purchase it or whatever. So we are very, our office is linked up to the MLS and we are very good about researching comps on properties and knowing values prior to getting our clients involved in something that isn't gonna come to fruition. Right, right. So, so we watch, you guys are aware of yeah, that whole situation. We absolutely have to be on top of our game because it's there's too many laws and too many regulations now not to be. That's the thing about all these laws and regulations. Now, you as a loan broker now have to actually be licensed and really 
in-depth fingerprinted by the federal government is Correct. homeland security or something state and the federal no we're yeah we have um yes we have new licenses since i think we got those in 2008 nmls licensing and yeah, which and department does it go through do you remember it goes no actually it's just through the dodd frank act but there is a, a board that governs it okay so it's somehow related mm -hmm. to like the sec mm -hmm. or something or other well, yeah, probably the DOJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, those guys. But <laughs> you can't, you really seriously cannot do any anything deviation off of what the law requires you to do with a loan. Right. I mean, they've so got these strict yes. guidelines. Yes, and our offices get, get audited at any time. I mean, you know, all the paperwork has to be in order. It has to be in place. We have to make sure that we have confidentiality with all, you know, pertinent information. And you have to do those estimates where you tell people up front, here's what all these costs are going to be. Exactly. And they can't deviate much from that. We, there's, a, there's a variance tolerance on what's called an estimated closing statement. Now it's estimated, but there is a variance tolerance, which is 10%. So therefore, your numbers have to be within that variance. Right. Or you eat it, maybe? Uh, they, or yeah. the deal doesn't go through yeah. or something. Yeah. Or you they can to, they can cancel it or something. Once you get a once you hand out paperwork like that, it's pretty it has to be pretty right on. Right. Right. So, cuz I've seen I've seen credit unions and other places have people get fired over the fact that those aren't completely right on. So. Well, I just read recently that uh, one particular large California bank that's had a little trouble um, with a few like opening fake accounts. I won't mention any names. Um, they they use a stagecoach in their advertising. I just read that they are now getting in trouble for actually having modified some mortgages without the customer's signatures. Is that have you heard about that? Or? Yes, I have, and yeah. Sounds like they probably did that too, right? Yeah. I mean, they might have. Well, well, I'm not. You know, I wouldn't want to assume, but you know, banks don't have a lot of leverage in in creating a new income off of loans because they don't have they don't really aren't able to do as much as we are so therefore they might be getting way creative well we're, we're going to talk more <laughs> about that in a minute so we'll be right back stay tuned Hi, this is James McDonald, Bible teacher on Walk in the Word. You know, every day we receive emails and letters from listeners just like you, men and women who have been impacted by Christian radio. I got to ask you, have you taken the time to call your radio station lately? Whatever you're doing right now, just stop and pick up the phone. Your station needs to hear from you and know that you're standing with them. I can guarantee that your words of encouragement and financial support will strengthen this station long after your call's been made. Hi, it's Matt Four And Erica Smith. And you should join us every Friday for Chico Now Friday at 12.30, 5 and 9 p.m. Why do you say, why should you join us? <gasps> because we like to have so much fun. We do, and we talk to people in the community, organizations and businesses, and we hope that you listen because we enjoy it, and we want you to be there because without you, we might as well be talking in a closet. <laughs> you are there, right? I am here <laughs> on KKXX 104.5 FM and 9.30 a.m. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. We've got a lot of food in this country. We've got so much food that we can't eat it all. So how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids who need it. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. And in 09, it was sparks from me, your chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires.
We're back. The business buzz is here. Judy Simmons is here. She's a loan expert. And for anyone here uh, listening that has a self-employed business like I do and like uh, Judy does, she's got some new information about uh, some loans that might interest you. So, Judy, tell us about this uh, new thing for self-employed persons and their loan qualifications. Okay, most of us that are self-employed obviously don't net a great return because we try to, you know, calculate a lot of things in our expenses. Well, we try to. We try to. Well, we stay legal. Honestly. Right. But we do have, for self-employed borrowers that cannot prove income now, we have a new self-employed unaudited P&L, no tax returns or no bank statement program. So um, we do use bank statements, sorry, for for, um, income and not tax returns. We, uh, you know, it's it's not as hard as it sounds to get a, a loan like this. You do have to qualify with a few things. So the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that we do have a, a program if you're out of foreclosure, short sale or bankruptcy for one year, we now have a loan program oh, for you. Oh, so people who have been told they can never have another mm-hmm. house for seven or ten mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. it's a one-year window, uh-huh. huh? Mm-hmm. One year, certain certain criteria but yes we do have a program for that wow so we can do jumbo loans up to five million dollars and we can go as high as 89.9 percent on a um loan to value Mm -hmm. wow the other thing i'd just like to say that i think is interesting is is that we if you have a client now with 20 rentals we do have a program if they you know have a need because it used to be limited to 10 now we do have a program if they own 20 rentals that we can still do a loan for them like if they want to buy a new rental or something? Correct. Wow. So, so far, just talking to Judy for this last half hour or so, I'm trying to figure what person could you not help? You can help people with FICOs all the way down to 550. Mm -hmm. You can help people that had a short sale a year ago. Mm -hmm. You can help people that have up to 20 rentals already. There, there's hardly anyone that you couldn't help with a with a property loan. Well, you've got to take one thing into consideration, which is debt ratio. And if their debt ratio exceeds a certain percentage... But that, that covers everybody pretty much yes. on all these loans. Yes, right. it does. So therefore, what our, our goal is always not to just say that we can't help them, but to show them a way to reduce their debt ratios. And normally, it's credit cards, normally. Right, so you can work with them at the very start of the process... Mm-hmm. And you can say, hey, look, we can't do this right now, but if you do this for the next six months or three months or something, you can get your debt ratio down to the point where we can help you. Correct. And we try to alleviate people from, you know, ending up with a credit card interest rate that's ridiculous, like 25.5 or higher. Right. Especially an unsecured loan that's 30% interest because they'll never pay it off. So our goal is always to try to get their score up high enough to get them an interest, a zero interest credit card for a period of time and transfer a balance onto that. Now that I have to have to switch over a little bit to politics because of what you just said. Go for it. <laughs> I, li- I, like to, I like to gauge a president of the United States based on, and I only know a couple, but I'm going to talk about it, based on his first act as president. Ronald Reagan's very first act as president was to sign the savings and loan reshuffling bill that allowed the savings and loans to go hog wild during the 80s. Now, I don't know exactly all the details, but that was his first signature, if I remember right. So that tells you something. Now, the other first signature, I believe, don't quote me, was George W. Bush... His first act as president was to okay the new bank laws that allowed those 30, 35% credit cards to be legal. They used to be more restrictive. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that's a good point. I would have to go back to see what Trump's first act was. I know he, you know, what was it? I think it was to abolish Obamacare. I'm not sure. Or it was to, uh, you know, head down to his place in Florida or uh, something? Largo. Yeah. Um, the thing that people need to realize is that, you know, you can keep paying minimum payments on credit cards, but when you're at a high interest rate and people do not take a look at what they're paying on an interest rate and interest every month, 
sometimes their minimum payment is less than their interest that they're paying on this card. Wow. So literally, you are You're in financial bondage yeah, right. to these credit card companies. Right, right. So, yeah, I always recommend that people are very careful with that. What really gets me is the way you go to a store like Target, and you just, you know, they sell groceries now. Correct. So you might just be going to grab a bunch of food stuff. And yeah. they're asking if you want to open a, a, an account and save 30 bucks that day. Uh-huh. People don't realize that, number one, doesn't your credit score go down? Uh-huh. And, you know, if a new credit card comes in the mail with a $1,000 limit, a lot of people just go out and buy something and rack it right up. Correct. And there's a difference between if it's a soft hit or a hard hit. If you get a credit card offer in the mail and you um, go through that particular procedure, that's a soft hit because you've already similarly they gotten sent it somewhat to you. approved. Right. Correct. They sent it to but you. But if you just go out and just apply for a credit card, that's a hard hit. Your credit score, your FICO score can drop by as much as 10 points just from, you know, one of those. Right. You know. See, the, the thing about working with someone like Judy, if you're looking into a, a new home loan or uh, you might have a credit score issue where you need to raise yours, uh, you could talk to a professional like Judy, and um, she can help you with more than just your home loan. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure to, to have her here today, because she's got a wealth of information for all these different categories. I had a client's interesting case come up. It's not really a loan case. They happen to be financially stable, so they actually can afford this. They had a an issue where the contractor came in. He was supposed to remove the carpet, and I guess they were going to put down some kind of flooring. It turned out that below the carpet, now this is all what they told me. I don't know the details. Below the carpet was some kind of old rubber tile, rubbery tile. The contractor removed it without being careful, and it contaminated their house with asbestos. They had to move out. The cost for them to get this fixed is $100,000, and it's not covered by homeowner's insurance, as far as he knows right now. The reason I got involved is I'm his tax preparer, and I'm telling him he didn't even want to talk to his insurance guy because he's kind of sure it's not covered. The IRS will not allow, this is going to be what's called a casualty loss. If he has to fork 100000 bucks, he's going to get a big tax deduction. But in order to get a legal casualty loss, you have to try to claim your insurance. So anyway, that's the rigmarole. But what the moral of this story is, uh, now he's trying to go after the contractor, but he's concerned that the contractor might not have the proper insurance for this or something, or the or the contractor can beat him on the charge. I have no idea. But anyway, it's just one of those things where the homeowners have to beware of crazy stuff that can happen. But if there's asbestos involved in any resident or residential property or commercial property, that's it's usually an, automatic an older problem, right? problem. And it's something that can be discovered at any time. And yeah, it is an automatic problem. And I do know that some uh, homeowners policies do have, you know, addendums that you can create you know in attached but they're very expensive right to cover usually it's an older house you know or an older structure that you're going to find that in now would you what would you say about the popcorn style ceilings that you see from the 70s and 80s i mean does that cause a a liability if you sell that house with those ceilings because they say those have some asbestos have you ever heard of that being a problem I have not personally seen asbestos related to any popcorn-type ceiling. Okay. No, I have seen asbestos in walls in old schools that I've remodeled. Okay, in the old buildings. Yes, I have. Wow. Yes, I have. And, and did you wear a mask? Cloth wiring and a lot of other issues. Um, no, I just we actually just call in hazmat teams to come out. Oh, okay. And remove it because it is under remodel. We might have to tear more of it out, but yeah. Wow. Yep. Oh, I also wanted to ask, when you mentioned the skunks in the uh, under the house, mm-hmm. are they protected like bats or not? No, pest control operators normally do not harm a skunk. Right. They trap a skunk, and I guess that you are allowed to release them, but they are also a flea carrier. So normally a person with a skunk under their house or, you know, there is going to end up just like deer that carry ticks. 
you're going to end up with an infestation of fleas. So therefore, you have another secondary problem. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure the pet. And now you're also a pest control licensed. Yeah, you just, are licensed. Just as a, just just as a field rep, not as wow. I don't have an operator's license now. Now, uh, tell us about the degrees that you've earned. This is a very educated person we're talking with here, folks. A couple. <laughs> well, I start. I actually got a business degree, and I taught elementary education, and I had a minor in physical education. So I did teach some swimming because I was very involved in swimming back in the 70s. Was that elementary school teaching you did? Um, I did elementary school teaching, and I was always teaching at the high school that I actually graduated from in business classes. Yes, yes, I did that. Then I ended up going back to school in radiology, and I did a lot of pre-med, but I ended up getting my um, RT, so it's, you know, just doing x-ray work. Oh, that so was a two-year are you a licensed, program. Are you an X-ray well, tech? Not in California. Oh, okay. And that license is, you know, not active anymore. Right. But yeah, I went to school for that. Wow. And I just uh, pursued things because it seems like when you're a business owner and you can understand this, it's like things create themselves as issues. And I think the only way for me to tackle some of the issues is to get on top of the game and research a lot, especially with law and, you know. Being in construction, I think I got sued about, I don't know, five or six times. So I had to uh, live in the law library, literally. Right. But I did I did go back and, you know, do that, too, as well. And contra- I did construction management at Chico State, too. Oh, you taught that? No, I took that. Oh, you took that? Uh-huh. Did you get a yeah. degree there? Um, I didn't finish my uh, master's there, but I have an MBA. Oh, so, wow. But I did that in Colorado. Wow. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's a lot of expertise you can you can get by talking to someone like Judy. I think it's uh, really fascinating, this whole world of the loans, because um, we'll be right back to continue, and we're going to talk to Judy Sims a little bit more. So stay tuned. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Everything in the epistles points backward to Jesus. That's why I encourage people to read the words of Jesus every day. This is where emotional and spiritual health come from. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. But where do you read his commandments? But in the gospels. Now I know that it's easy to get a little confused when jumping between one gospel and the next which is why I wrote the Merged Gospels. It's where all four Gospels are literally translated from the Greek, broken down word by word, and merged back together into one beautiful chronological story with not one word of scripture removed. You can't buy it in stores. It's available only online at mergedgospels.com. It's great for new believers, for personal devotions, and for group studies. There's also an audiobook, and as always, you get to name the price. Just go to MergedGospels.com. Long-range missile reportedly fired this morning by Iran. 47,000 acres burned. The news lets you know what's going on in the world. But a few things you should know about most news outlets. They don't make money if they don't get good ratings. And they all know that bad news gets good ratings. A violent terror attack outside the So the more they inflate the bad news, the more gripping a story can seem. Turn off all that bad news and tune in here. We have a positive approach to life and always good news. Listen here. You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. All right, we're back. Business Buzz is active again. Well, here's what happened during the break. I just realized that since Judy Simmons has more degrees than Harold Littlejohn, she's going to end up interviewing me for a few minutes, and we're going to all learn from the things that she's wondering about, and hopefully I'm going to know the answers. So fire away. Okay, Harold, number one, I have to ask you, I recently lost my mom. She has oh, a house free and clear in Colorado. Okay. Now, if we sell the home in Colorado, why don't you advise me on paying capital gains? Okay. Uh, a couple quick questions. Uh, was she the s- 
surviving spouse. There's no husband still alive. Uh, it was her house by herself. Well, actually, what happened is prior to, you know, she was eight weeks shy of 100. Oh, wow. So five years ago, we put both of my sister's names on the house to okay. alleviate probate. And I just saw else. a red light fire alarm go off. Uh-oh. <laughs> and <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> okay. The best way to have a house sale upon the death of somebody is if the house is inherited and they you didn't own the house before the death, you have for your basis for gain later what's called the decedent's date of death fair market value. So if there was no other ownership of that house at your mother's death, then whoever inherits it, which is either by the trust or by the will, whoever inherits it could turn around and sell it for zero gain, zero tax, because their basis is the fair market value at the date of death. The reason I said a red light went on is because if transfer of title was made five years ago, the stepped-up basis at death may not apply to the 100% of this house. Understood. And that's a, it's a very common question, and uh, so that would be something we would have to kind of run a few numbers and look at. So you're hired. With that transaction. Okay. I got another job through Judy. Yeah, well, th this one is is a real interesting one. And Harold and I have been working on it for about six months. I know about this one. My niece um, has a commodities broker's license. And she uh, lived in Colorado. And she worked for a company. It's I can say it because it's all over the... <laughs> you just have to Google it. But it was Otterbox, the, the uh, company that made the the OtterBox cases for this, the iPhone, literally. And so they sent her over to China where they could produce this product much cheaper. Right. So she moved a family of five over there and got a very substantial income, worked hard, very smart girl. She has a double master's degree. So long story short, she was sent into a meeting in South Korea at some point in time after she'd been there a while. And... Um, discovered that some of these things weren't being handled accordingly, and this was her license. Now, they when were you using. say some weren't being handled accordingly, are we saying that the company may have been cheating the U.S. government? Correct. Uh -huh. And this was tariffs and uh, duty taxes. Aha. Uh -huh. They were not paying them. And those are taxes that the IRS collects, is that right? Yes. Okay. So Bonnie took it upon herself to figure out a way to back up all of the purchase orders showing none of the tariffs would had been paid and all of the data that she could turn into the United States government based on the fact that her license is, you know, regulated by the United States government. So she's what you would call a whistleblower. She's a whistleblower. So she she literally had to take that laptop computer and I think that her company had a little in on the fact that she was about ready to quit and do this. So they came to seize the laptop, and she, in China, she explained to them that it was stolen, which is a given in China. <laughs> so she um, basically, she had it, and she kept it for another week and downloaded everything before she left the country. So when she came back, she went to the DOJ and turned in every single thing. Wow. So this is kind of like uh, Matt Damon running around some foreign country with a laptop. This is like we need a Trey Gowdy. Yeah. <laughs> backup. But the point I have to make is that when she ended up with the settlement four years later, wasn't it, Harold? It was, yeah, yeah. 2014. 2014. I mean, Otterbox settled with the DOJ, I believe, got pretty much fed up with everything. So her portion of the settlement, well, the total settlement that she received was 830000 with her ending up with 415000 of that. So at this Because the attorney took half. Yes, correct. And um, so at this point in time, we have two bad things happening. Number one, Otterbox is still in China, probably doing the same thing. Number two, my niece now is faced with a tax liability on that $415,000 of $275,000, which includes penalties and interest, et cetera. Right. She did not receive a 1099. And she, didn't the Department of Justice lie to her? The DOJ told her there were not tax penalties associated with whistleblower awards at that time. There was a little window of a month or so where that might have been true, but I doubt if that was the window. So we have done our homework over and over and over. So right. long story short, you know, we've written, we've written Trump. 
We've written everybody we can think of to try to get some, you know, proactive people involved here because she had two choices. She could either file wrongful termination is what the DOJ told her and probably get a huge settlement that wasn't taxable or she could turn it all in and, you know. Yeah. Now, also in this thing, you, you've mentioned some other details because I got into this to help uh, Bonnie and I'm really happy if I can help her. But isn't it true that the settlement she got was based on 20% of a certain amount that the government got, but it, they had lowered, the Otterbox company had lowered that before the settlement got calculated. Correct. Yeah. You're right. I, I think most of the whistleblower settlements are based on anywhere between 10 and 25% of the total settlement from what I've right. read. But the total settlement that was like $4 million in Bonnie's case where she got 20%, it was actually, they had actually cheated the government out of a lot more than the $4 million. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I think after the DOJ was dealing with, you know, their their lawyers, their attorneys, all of the, you know, the issues what, like surrounding what could they, this. What could they prove versus yeah, what? So yeah, so they literally got to the point where they just settled. for It was right. $4.3 million. Right. So it's a, probably another case of the old adage, crime does pay in Correct. the right circumstance. And, and and it just shows you that our government even didn't, you know, stand behind a... Um, a whistleblower. But not just a whistleblower, but somebody with a commodities broker's license. There are not many people in the United States that have that type of a license. That's a difficult license to obtain. Right. And she took it very seriously. And, you know, she turned all that, you know, into the United States government. Right. To find herself now holding the bag of a huge liability. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I know that um, that sort of relates to like the Seth Rich story. You'll have to the, tell me the that. Guy, the guy who was found dead after the DNC emails got, oh, yeah. got exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of weird things. I've never dealt with, the highest I've dealt with in the federal government being a CPA is IRS auditors and occasionally an IRS manager, you know, one level above the auditor. But from what I can see of things I've read about, the 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 guys on the, you know, like the IRS auditors I work with, they're they're very fair, they're very rational, they're nice, they really are good people. But it seems to me like once you start going a little higher up the ladder, that's where the bad apples start showing up, wouldn't you say? Well, I've worked with the DOJ on predatory lending, and that's the DOJ in the state of California, and I found them very difficult. Um, I There is one contractor now that it, you know has done a lot of corrupt type, builds the homes, does they have the lender that's in with them, which sort is Sort of like what happened back in uh, 06 yes, and 07, yes, yes. and they're doing that again? Well, he's been doing this for quite a while. No, but I'm saying, have you actually seen where you suspect that kind of thing is? Absolutely. Oh, it is sort yeah, of going have, on? Yeah, there's a class action suit that with one attorney handling about 400 clients. Oh, Mm-hmm. And, and, and these are homes that were built recently, or mm, over the last ten years. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, since so since the big since the big mm-hmm, mess. Mm-hmm. Oh and wow! It's still predatory lending. It's bad. It's very bad. Wow. So I've seen a lot of things like that, and I. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, with the whistleblower thing, I mean, when you have a license that's supported by the SEC and the Homeland Security Office, right. you would and think they the would be DOJ, on your side. You would assume, yes, that maybe what they could have done is gotten enough out of Otterbox to pay Bonnie's taxes. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's just not right. Yeah, that, that's so kind of crazy. we're fighting, so if anybody out there hears this story, <laughs> right. call Harold. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, the, you know, the thing is, uh, as far as calling, uh, if you have any kind of situation where you're, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. One of my clients called me, and uh, I... I didn't know he was doing a refi thing. And he called me and he said, uh, I need some help. I'm down at U.S. Bank. Well, I guess I can mention that. He says, I'm down at U.S. Bank. I can't seem to get through to them what I need to do on this rental refinance I'm doing. And I said, wait, hold on a minute. Don't walk into a bank if you have any kind of issues with a loan you need that isn't a straightforward nothing. 
So anyway, I ended up referring him to Judy. And the next thing I know, I didn't even hear back because things went real well. And when I did find out the uh, end result, it turns out they had a really smooth deal uh, because Judy was able to help him properly doing a refinance on his rental instead of him walking into a bank. That's that Megalia guy. And um, instead of him walking into a bank, you know, Judy does so many loans, she she doesn't even remember each individual one. No, but I try to treat them all the same. <laughs> right. You forget do, them all after a know, while. We put out 150% of what we have to, you know, right. to do our very best to make it work. Right. It's like you do, Harold, with every client that you have. That's right. And I may be a little slow, like I tell people. You're not slow. But what I what I tell people whenever they're looking for a professional service like a CPA service, you have three three words. You have fast, good, and cheap, and I'll give you two out of three. And those will be <laughs> but cheap. But don't, don't ask for all three because you ain't going to get it. It's not going to be fast. <laughs> it's not going to be fast That's or good if busy. it's cheap. <laughs> it's like eating at a good fine dining place. If you have to stand in line two hours, you know that it's good. That's right, yeah. Right? And, right, and you see a restaurant with no one in there. Do you really so, want to go in you even though you CPA can eat? want a good CPA or do you want one that, you know? Right, that's right. That's the way I look at it. That's right. So, uh, Judy, you never actually worked for a bank or anything, so no. you didn't you didn't see that side. I did not. I've seen horror stories where people have gone into the bank and they get shuffled over to the wrong desk, and next thing you know, they're investing their savings in crazy investments. I mean, I'm not knocking banks, but, you know, it's not necessarily where you go when you need some lending help, you want to call a professional. So let's get some of Judy's contact information again, because I really recommend you talk to a professional like Judy if you have any lending issues at all that you're going through right now. Okay, my name again is Judy Simmons, and my contact would be area code 530-521-8511. And please feel free to call my partner, Jeanette, because she's probably better informed than I am. And her her phone number is 916-300-8097. It's interesting what you said about the 10 rentals and the 20 rentals, because I had some clients back about 10 years ago who were starting to pile up inexpensive rentals during the low 09 time or whatever. And they hit a brick wall after I think they owned three or four and they started getting mm-hmm. told, mm-hmm. oh, you can't have any more. Mm-hmm. Has that that has sort of been increased lately, or it went to ten? Okay, a few a few years ago, it went to ten. But okay. we have one program that'll go to twenty. Okay, so I'm just letting you know that. Right. But yeah, it did. It was increased. Right. Correct. Right. Right about that. And you know, the main thing is, it's it's kind of like uh, the the uh, incoming tide floats all boats. When prices are going up, everything's pretty cool, right? Just kind of in general. Mm, I guess so. Yeah. But as soon as the prices start going down, that's when the trouble starts, like musical chairs. Like property values? Yeah, like property values and things like that. Yeah, that's why you have to be so cautious when you enter a transaction because you want to make sure that, you know, you can look at yield spreads. You can look at, you know, the stocks, the treasury bonds, just like you look at things like that. We look at things like that also. So what do you tell people who come in talking about a home loan of course, the realtor is the one that's sort of showing them property. So they've pretty much found a property by the time you meet them. Is that right, usually? Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. But we okay. have a real estate license, too. So, you oh, know, okay. we, so we do some homework for them on occasion. Oh, okay. So can you actually be their realtor and their lender? No, I can't. Oh, but I could be their realtor <laughs> and my partner can be their lender oh, okay. or vice versa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we do have a realtor in our office as well. Oh, okay. So, you know, we kind of work together. So you can pretty much do everything regarding the transaction at, yes. at your office. Yes. Yes, we can. Right. Yes. Wow. Well, this has been a great hour. I really thank you for being here, Judy. My pleasure. And we'll have you back sometime soon and talk to you so soon. don't forget to call Harold. Call me for tax advice. Call Judy tax for loans. Tax advice and whistleblower awards. That's right. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. 
Here's Rick Box, founder of Integrity Resource Center, with today's Integrity Moment. Everyone needs mentors. A mentor has achieved what you want to achieve and is willing to guide you and hold you accountable to get there. Athletes call them coaches. Students call them tutors. David Alexander with Legacy Impact Network calls these his mountain guides. Do you have a Paul in your life? If you don't, please pray for one. Are you a Paul for someone else? I call this the kingdom food chain. One person helps another who helps another who helps another. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2.1, he wrote, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. When choosing leaders, make sure they understand the importance of mentoring. Make sure they keep themselves in the kingdom food chain. To order Rick's new book, Unconventional Business, visit integrityresource.org. That's integrityresource.org. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. President Trump will meet face-to-face with Russian President Putin at a global summit next week. In Germany, White House correspondent Greg Clugston tells us more. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster confirmed that the two leaders will meet on the sidelines of the G20 meeting in Germany. However, White House...